weeks that I think I called him mid-March, sometime in March I called you about this, whenever, whenever I found out Pastor Strange was not going to be able to make it, and so, but I appreciate him coming in, and so brother, come preach to us one more time. Well, I want you to know it's been, an, it's been a, um, just a privilege and honor to be with you all these, these days, and, and uh, I've shared with some of the men a little bit earlier that I always feel that I get more from a meeting like this than what I give to it. Uh, I just feel that way, and I trust that you have been blessed in some fashion and that God has challenged you and that God has encouraged you to live more and more for him. And even though this is the last day of the revival meeting, it does not mean that revival cannot take place in your life, that, you, that you, we need to constantly uh, be in a state of revival. He said, without not revive us again. And I think that's what's going on in this church. I think that this church is, is, is being renewed. As we'll look at revival here tonight, uh, that it's being renewed continually. And, and you're going you're gonna to need that, as your pastor was just talking about burnout. Uh, I tell you what, you need the Lord. And we'll see here in a few moments as to why, um, why we need this revival on a continual uh, basis. But I have, to, I have to clear up something with... Um, I just told your pastor what that was all about with Brother Terry Todd. You got to know, you, you need to know Brother Terry, Terry Lee Todd. Uh, <laughs> he, he, um, when he told you, to, you know, you don't have to, uh, you, you need, leave that money alone. Well, see, this is no story, no joke. In the traditional black churches that I grew up in, when the offering plate came by, if they had a 20, they're not putting that whole 20 in. They want change. <laughs> so they put in a 20 get back $18. <laughs> and up here, I don't know if you get anything because there's no hand in that box that we back out and give them change. <laughs> but Brother Terry, Terry Todd is like that. Man, he'll pull your leg. And, 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 and you remember that skit that y'all did? Uh, he had wrote that, he had wrote that, that play out. You played uh, that Christian uh, one night. Was, was he saved or not saved? I don't know if you remember that, but he said you were the only one that came back to him and said, did I do my, did I do my part right? And so he, he told me to tell you that, too. So, yeah, so. But at any rate, it's been good to be here. And let's take our Bibles and open up to, to Psalm 138 and verse 7. And do we have a, do I turn it on? You're going you're to give it to me? All right, there we go. We're going to be looking at revival. What is revival? Who needs revival? Why is revival necessary? And how can I have revival? But in here, in Psalm 138 and verse 7, Psalm 138, verse 7, where the scripture says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. You know, one of the things that I found in Christianity that when things are going good, it's easy to serve the Lord. When things are going good. But it's when you're in the midst of trouble. Trouble's all around you. And Pastor, I know you've been through that, some of that trouble, and, and, and we keep living, you're probably going to go through some more. And, and um, I, I've definitely been through my share of trouble where you're just trying to serve God, and that's it. 
And you would think that other people that come and join the church, that that's what they want to do too. But people have different agendas. And uh, here it is, man, I'm just, I'm just wanting to do God's will. I'm just, I'm just trying to help people. And people lie on you. You know, they do all sorts of things. People set out just, just to destroy you. And you say, why? why? I, I, thought, I thought we were brethren. I remember my first pastorate over in Turkey. I hadn't even realized that God was calling me into the pastorate. I just knew that he called me to be a soul winner. And I, I was soul winning, man. I was just soul winning, just, just young in the Lord. I, I think I might have been uh, two and a half years old in the Lord, three years old in the Lord. No Bible tra- training. Just went to Neal University. That means on my knees and in the book. And uh, went over there and started that work over there. And uh, there was this guy. He was, he was he, I won't say his name because you may know him. He may be one of your relatives. I don't know. So I'm not going to mention his name. But boy, I tell you what, this is my first taste of people just in the ministry for the wrong reason. I remember my wife and I, we were living in this little, this little uh, uh, trailer. We call it, had a little cabana on it. And I remember us kneeling down in the middle of that, that little, that little uh, sitting area and just embracing one another, just weeping. We couldn't believe that people that call themselves Christian would behave in such a fashion. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible says, Yea, and all that we love godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The moment you set in your mind that you're going to serve God, you're going to run into trouble. Young people, God bless you. I hope you do what Daniel did. Daniel purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. And it took that type of purposing in his heart for him to endure all that time, those 70 years down there in Babylon. I've always tried to teach our children. We had boys and tried to teach them that trouble's going to come. And you need to determine that if you get carried off into Babylon, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be real before our children and just give them truth so that if, they, if my wife and I died before they got grown or whatever, that they would have determined that they were going to go on for the Lord. And I want to let you know, as it says here in Job chapter 3 and verse 26, he says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. Trouble is coming. Jeremiah 8, verse 15, he says, We looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, trouble. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 8, he says this, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. You know, when you really try to live for the Lord, the devil is just not going to let you just coast along. He's going to show up in ways that you could not have a dreamed of. He showed up in Job's life. And I'm here to tell you, the closer you get to God, the more you become in the crosshairs of the devil. And that's just the truth of it. The closer you get to God, 
The devil will desire to sift you as wheat, just like he did with Peter. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to you to sober you up. To get ready because trouble is coming for God's people. Most of Christianity today, they want COVID to end. And they want things to get back to normal. And I'm here to tell you, normal wouldn't get the job done. I don't want to go back to normal. I want to go on to perfection. And I believe with the leadership that you have here in this church, that you're going to go on to perfection. But I'm here to tell you, trouble's going to come. Now, one of the most dangerous troubles that I have faced in my ministry is when trouble came from within. You guys determine that if trouble comes to this church, it's not going to come from you. Amen. You just going to make up your mind that it's going to come... It's going to have to come from outside. It's not going to come from inside. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29, Paul writes, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, I'm here to tell you, I, I'm no iron Christian. I am not one that's gluttony for punishment. Man, I try, if I see trouble down there, Willie Burr's going the other way. That's just me, man. I, I don't go looking for a fight, but when it comes, I'm saying, all right, then, okay, I don't, I don't want to do this. But since it's, all right, you just press me to where I got to fight, and then I'll fight. Reminds me of one time I got out of school, I went to a Catholic school. From second grade to, to eighth grade. And across the, across the street was a, a public school. And man, those, that school would let out. We would let out. And I always tried to make a beeline home. I remember this, this little gang of guys. There about five guys. I said, man, I could spot trouble coming. I went, oh. I went three blocks down, cut down, came up Blunt Street. Thought I had escaped them. And who? I went straight into those five guys. And this one guy named Robert. He comes up to me, he gets in my face and says, I heard you talking about my mama. I said, man, I don't even know your mama. And he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And my mind said, well, you, you need to get ready to fight. And Robert's looking at me, and another guy said, hit him, Robert, hit him. I had in my mind, if I don't get nobody else, I'm getting you. I had in my mind, I'm going to grab you by the throat, and I'm going to hang on for dear life. <laughs> I might not get you, but you died. <laughs> I wasn't looking for trouble. Job wasn't looking for trouble. Job was just going on with life. And then trouble came. If you live for Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, you're going to get your lumps. But I'll tell you what it will do. As this church gets this lump, you know what's going to happen? It's going to solidify this church more and more. It's going to glue you to your pastor. You see, when your pastor's suffering all by himself, and you don't sense it, 
and nothing's happening to you, you don't have no idea what he's going through. But boy, when it comes to your doorstep, then you'll say, oh, Pastor McGovern, (laughs) I'm with you now. And so I'm just trying to leave you with something that will prepare you because I can see what God's getting ready to do with this church. There's no, there's no telling. You, you may be the example church like the church in Thessalonica. It was the example church of Macedonia. There's a lot of churches down in the lower 48. They can learn a lot from this church right here. I love the way you fellowship. I love the way you love on one another. I love the way you hang around and just still just get that fellowship. You see, back in the States, they don't have time for that. They're like, you ain't done, preacher. And then as soon as that final amen, <laughs> boom, they're gone, man. <laughs> but I love to see how you guys fellowship. And boy, the lower 48 churches there could take some lessons from this church. Now, as we look at this thing about revival, what is revival? And we have to understand revival many times People say we have revival when people get saved. That is not revival. That is regeneration of lost people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is a result of the church getting revived. Over there in Psalm 51, he says, you know something, when you created me a clean heart and you, you renew a right spirit within me, then will I treat, uh, teach transgressors thy ways, and then will uh, sinners be converted. When this church, and man, I tell you what, one of, the, one of the heartbeats of a pastor is to see all of the cylinders firing at the same time. Amen. I mean, firing in their time, I should say. If you have an eight-cylinder car, it can run off of six cylinders, maybe five cylinders. But boy, you're going to have a rough ride. I was talking, who was I talking with the... Um, and we were talking about the 52 models and the, uh, and the uh, 56 model Fords and stuff like that. You know, I could tell he's a gearhead. And, you know, you understand this thing about, uh, about a misfire. Anybody, do, do, do cars misfire anymore today? A misfire is like when the car's going like this. Pow! 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 And some Christians are that way, you know. They, they don't fire consistently. <laughs> you, you know, the church going along, going along, down some pow! You go, what happened? <laughs> you know, every pastor wants all the membership just firing at the same time, and, and it makes for a smooth ride versus getting beat up as you go down the highway. And that's what we want to see here as this church just comes together. Then everybody, can you imagine everybody from the children on down know how to soul win? Can little children soul win? Absolutely. I remember little Hannah Weeby. Do you remember the Weebies? Hannah Weeby. I remember Hannah Weeby got saved. And she'd tell all her classmates, she said, do you know Jesus? Do you have Jesus in your heart? You don't have Jesus? Come on, go with me. And she'll drag them in to the, with her teachers. Tell them about Jesus. And then she'll go get another. Amen. Even little children can learn how to soul win. Can you imagine this whole church learning how to soul win? And if this whole church, you only win one person, the church will double inside. Can you imagine if you just win one soul, you have to go to a couple of services on a Sunday. 
Man, this place will be packed over twice. And then you have to enter into another building program or something like that. But I can see that you're poised for such things. Got good leadership here. And so, revival. What is revival? Who needs revival? Why is revival? Um, why, uh, why is revival necessary? How can I have revival? So now, what is revival? Revival is the recovery from temporal death of the believer. We have up in there, we have a person, we have a person that's saved, but the carnal person is exalted in that person's life. They're carnally minded. All they can think about is carnal things. And in God's view, they are like dead. Now, you're not dead in trespasses and sin. You're just been passed out, comatosed. No activity from that person. This person had won a soul and not even interested in soul winning. They're not interested in anything that's spiritual. And when revival happens, God shakes that person and wakes them up out of that temporal death. And then they begin to be useful for the things of God. And a person, if you're that way right now, do you, are you concerned for souls? Now listen to me. Being, being an effective Christian is not only just keeping your family intact. Amen. Get your family intact. But it's the whole idea of the family as a unit going out and reaching the lost. That's what it's all about. It's not just you just keeping a little home front. No, it's getting home front healthy, getting home front insulated, not isolated, insulated so you can get off into the battle. Amen. That's why he gives us that armor. He doesn't give us that armor for us to play with. And he doesn't give us that armor for a fashion statement. He gives us that armor because we're going to be battling. Amen. That's why you suit up. And so the whole family suits up. It's good to teach your children. You know, these little children, I mean, they've been so well behaved. I, I tell you what, I, I, somebody needs to have a video of this. And they're looking back at the audience to see how well behaved the children are. Amen. Be good for them to teach them to listen. You're on the Bird team, the McGovern team. You're on the Jacobs team. Amen. And when one is brought into the world, say, okay, as soon as they can understand, let them know that you are a team member of the Jacobs family, McGovern family, and then, of course, the Wright family. You, you, you can go and name them all and say, you're on the team now. You're on the team now. You're on the bird team. That's what I taught our sons. You're on the bird team now. I taught my boys when we got to a restaurant, when we moved, when we moved from the States, I mean, from the Germany back to the States, it was like a culture shock in reverse. I remember when we first got back to, uh, got into New Mexico, down to Las Cruces, they had a, a uh, person that drove into the Luby's restaurant and started shooting up folks. And I remember getting my sons down, sitting my sons down, and Marcus, Marcus was around about 16 years old, man. He was beginning to put on some muscle and stuff like that. I said, praise God, I got somebody to work with now. Old Jonathan, he's about six years old. I said, Jonathan, your job is, you got one job. What's that, Daddy? You take care of Mama. You take care of mama and men, men, uh, Marcus, we're going to take on the bad guys. And, I, and I, my wife will tell you right now, when I go into a restaurant, I don't like to have my back to the door. I want to see what's coming in because I can spot trouble. And I, and I taught my boys the same thing. I said, Marcus, if trouble comes, me and you are going to take them on. We're not going to go, oh, oh, oh. man, we're going to take a table, brick, whatever we need to. We're going we, to take them out if we can. 
And Jonathan, you take your mama, y'all go the other way. Jonathan messed around and got some size now. I, ooh, son, we got hey, we, a three-fold cord. It's not easily broken, man. Okay, all right. We, we can do some damage now. You ought to teach your children you're on the team. And on this team, we honor God. We are soldiers of the Most High God. It'd be good for that children, to, your children to have an identity with a family that knows God. Amen. Pray for their salvation. Fast for them till they get saved. Man, just do whatever it takes for your children to get saved and become part of the saved team. Amen. At any rate, God wants us to get out of this grave. I don't know who's in that box right now. Maybe all of you are raised up. Amen. You said, do I need revival? Yes, you need revival too. But you need it for a different reason. You see, you need something known as renewed spiritual strength of the believer. He says, will thou not revive us again? You need renewed strength. I'm here to tell you there's a reason. Turn over to Galatians chapter 6. There's a reason that Paul wrote this passage of scripture. Galatians chapter 6. We, we, we often look at verse 9, don't we? Let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But look at the context of it. Back up to verse 1. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. God knows the nature of his people. We are tempted, we are tempted to grow weary in well-doing. And I'm no different from you. Man, my flesh is slick. My flesh tells me, Willie, you know you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Don't you think it's time to take a break? (laughs) You know, the flesh is slick. It can give you all the justification cards you want. And the spiritual man says, don't listen to that. There have been times my flesh says, you know, something, just quit, just quit, just quit. And I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And then the Lord says, okay, well, if you're going to entertain that, entertain that thought, you're going to quit and do what? You're going to quit what, Willie? You're going to quit believing on me? Oh, no. No, 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 Lord. You're entertaining the idea of quitting. What are you going to quit? I said, Lord God, forgive me. Renew my strength. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, you start serving the Lord, you start serving the Lord, and you'll begin to understand what it means to get weary and well-doing. Because I'm going to tell you, you start serving the Lord, and people start uh, uh, lying on you and beating you up and all that sort of stuff there emotionally, psychologically. You'll you want to throw in the towel, too. But God tells us, let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due season if we faint not. 
And he tells those who are spiritual, amen, if you think you are spiritual, you come, you come alongside a brother or a sister that's struggling, amen, and you become part of the recovery team and lift them up, amen. Your pastor was with me, he and Marianne, y'all was with us when we went through some deep waters down there at Berean. And I'm so thankful he didn't give, neither one of them, they didn't cave into that junk. They stood right shoulder to shoulder. Amen. And that stuff didn't come around to you. They didn't come around trying to spread no gossip to y'all because they know Terry McGovern going to go, hey, wait a minute. You're talking about my pastor now. Let's go talk to him right now. And so now, y'all never did get some of that junk. But if you're a spiritual, when you see a brother or sister being overtaken in a fault, don't criticize them. You come alongside them and be part of the therapy team, part of the recovery team, edifying one another with the spiritual gift that God's given unto you. You see, we all need revival. It's recovery from temporal death. It's restoration of strength for the believer. Not only restoration from, uh, of, of strength, but get this, it's restoration of joy for the believer. It's the restoration of God's love for humanity. Some of the nurses that have been caring for the COVID patients, they said, I have to confess to you that it's getting to be numb. When you've seen so many people die, we just get numb of it. I don't want to ever get numb when it comes to seeing lost people saved. I don't never want to look at people and not have the love of God for them. I used to be a real sports guy. Nothing wrong with sports. I love sports. I just don't. Something happened to me the first year that I got saved. I remember watching. Let's see. How far back do we go? Uh, we go back with Gail Sayers. We go back. Uh, hopefully I don't get beat up if I mention the Dallas Cowboys. So, but uh, but uh, who was that guy? Bob Hayes? Anybody remember Bob Hayes? I mean, you know, uh, I, you know, I was keeping up with stuff. You know, I, I like Minnesota, the Vikings, you know, and um, – Detroit Lions, I, I like players. That's what I like, you know. And, uh, and um, that scat back that they had at uh, Detroit Lions. And, you know, and I was, you know, kind of, me and my uncle, we would kind of keep up with that sort of stuff. When I got saved, though, when I got saved, I could hardly watch a football game after that because I look up into the stadium and see all those thousands of people. I say, man, they lost. And I remember this white guy. Had a huge rainbow afro. He had a fro. He didn't have a TWA, a teeny weeny afro. He had a fro. And it was a wig, but then he had that fro. And he had been in the end zone with John 3.16. I fell in love with that guy. I said, man, that guy. And they had somebody interview him. And he was trying to get to this next football uh, uh, game and get to that end zone where he can hold up John 3.16. And I, started, I said, man, thank you, God, that somebody is trying to do something to win souls to Christ. 
And so I, I kind of got disconnected from that. Uh, I still watch it from time to time. Uh, but uh, but I, you know, I just, when I see all these masses of people, when I drive down through Charlotte, see all these people walking, I say, Lord God, I'll start praying for them. Amen. Get on a plane. See all these souls around me. I say, oh, Lord God, all these folks on here, Lord, Lord, if they lost, save them. Lord, if you want me to witness to them, Lord, then, then uh, Lord, just open up a door. So I don't want to become numb to seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Christ. I don't want to see men as trees. You remember over there in Mark, chapter number 8, when this man was blind? You guys remember reading about that? And then Jesus spat, rubbed his eyes and said, what do you see? He says, I see men walking, men as trees walking. Then he touched them again. He says, now I see every man clearly. I call that the second touch. You see, Jesus didn't make no mistake. He didn't go, oops. No, he could have healed him right, right there. But I think there was a lesson for us to learn there. And I call it the second touch. We need to be able to see every man clearly in need of a Savior. So we who are saved, who have Jesus Christ exalted in our hearts, we got that spiritual training going on, man, that spiritual exercise. God tells us bodily exercise profited a little. It profits, but boy, compared to that spiritual exercise. How do you get strong in the Lord? Two ways. You get strong through eating and you get strong through exercising. Amen. So we need revival. We need constant revival. And so... Who needs revival? Both. The carnal Christian needs revival and they need to come up out of that coffin. The spiritual filled Christian needs constant revival, constant renewal of strength. And it takes God's spiritual strength to keep on keeping on as your pastor was talking about so you don't burn out. And so, why is revival necessary? Revival is necessary. Let's go to Romans chapter number 8. You know, your pastor said it. Earlier, I mean, just before he sat down, he talked about you coming and doing things in the flesh. You know, you burn out. You know, it's like that, you know, trying to get that worm to fly. You know, you'll burn out. In Romans, Romans chapter 8, let's pick up on verse 5, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. The Bible says here, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You see, you can mind things after the flesh or you can mind things after the spirit. Verse six says this, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Get this, verse seven, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now you can find a carnal Christian, he's so carnally minded, she's so carnally minded, it's really hard to tell whether or not they're saved. Now we're not saved by our actions. We're saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's no way he can come back and undie. We're saved by his person and his work on the cross. When you get saved, you cannot be lost again. And the, but the, what the devil can't do is rob you of your joy and rob you of your effectiveness as a Christian. And you'll find some Christian, 
They can't think beyond carnality. Their minds are just always on earthly things. And therefore, whenever something happens to them in an earthly fashion, they can just be inconvenienced. Then they, they quit God. The Bible says it comes a time that they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You know, they love God, but compared to their pleasures, they love those pleasures more. You see, we need revival. If a person is carnal minded, you need revival. You need to come to an old-fashioned altar. We'll talk about how you can get revival here in a few moments. But, you know, if you can only think about carnal things, in verse 8, let's keep on reading. He goes down in verse 8. He says, so then, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, you can preach in the flesh, and it won't please God. You can sing specials in the flesh, and it won't please God. You can do all these different works in the flesh. And God said, you know something? You done had your reward. There's going to come a time when all of the works that we've done, let's turn it, and we might as well look at it. Over there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Notice Paul's writing to this church that he had invested a lot of time in. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. I think your pastor, he got up uh, after one of the messages and, and asked, you know, how, how would you feel if God wrote this letter to you? He wrote this letter to you and says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, uh, even as unto babes. Even as, uh, as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk. You know, some, some Christians, I know Pastor McGovern, you want to get on to some of the deeper things. But you cannot, your wisdom tells you, I cannot, I cannot give them any meat right now because they'll gag on it. I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither are you now able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there's in, uh, among you... Envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? I've been hearing some of your men, praise God, you're talking about these deeper truths, reading, that, reading these different authors and, and uh, theologians and things like that. God, amen. Keep on feeding yourself. Amen. Keep on feeding yourself some of the meat. Amen. If you're on the milk and you're a baby, that's okay. But if you've had some time to grow, you need to get off the milk. Amen. You need to get off the milk. Pastors holding college classes and stuff like that. That will come a time that you move up to that. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, if you qualify, God may call you later. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm a, I'm a woman. Well, you know how to help the man. Amen. Amen. I mean, he needs to help meet. Amen. I'm talking about a custom fit for him. Another message, another time. I wanted to talk to you about that, but God just didn't lead in that direction about the home. He says, no, you leave that one alone. You just stay on this right here. My flesh didn't want to stay on it. My flesh wanted to just kind of give you something that make you feel good. But my flesh, I mean, the spiritual man says, no, you go on and just give them what God's laid on your heart to give them. But let's move on down here. Notice what he says. He says down here, um... And let's look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. 
For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, what? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire, get this, shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as uh, so by fire. So as by fire. So what I'm saying is this, is that if we're doing things in the flesh, that is, we're going about it with the wrong motivation. We're going about it with the wrong method. You understand me? What happened is, I don't care if you're a carnally minded Christian, you're still going up when Jesus Christ comes. The dead in Christ is going to rise. And the alive in Christ is going to rise. But what's going to happen? We're going to be ushered into the judgment seat of Christ. And what's going to happen is, I'm going to have to appear by myself, by myself before the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and washed me from my sin in his own precious blood. My wife won't be there to take any other blame of what Willie Bird did. You know, we like to blame our wives. And wives like to blame their husbands and they're, they're blaming the children. They're blaming any and everybody else but themselves. But I'm here to tell you, when that judgment seat of Christ, you stand there, you're going to be all by yourself. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to bring all the works to Willie Bird. They're going to be where everybody can see them. And I already know. I already know. There's going to be some works. I'm going to see them right away. I'm like, oh, God, you can throw that one out. Throw it out. No. I, throw that out, please. No, Willie. <laughs> Will it be good or bad? And he's going to come and he's going to dump that into my hands. He says, see that fire over there, Willie? Yes, sir. I want you to go through it. And when as I go through it, all the stuff that I did that was for the wrong motivation, the wrong method, that stuff is going to smoke. Smoke up. It's just going to vaporize. And whatever is left over, that's what I'm going to have to cast at the feet of Jesus. And I want to have something to cast at the feet of Jesus. And so there are some preachers that will get up there and they'll preach for money. Some will preach for the prestige and all of that to get all the accolades. Well, when people go over there, God said, well, you just got your reward. Because that's not going to, it's not, it is not going to survive the fire up in heaven. And so we need revival so that we don't have our works burn up at the judgment seat of Christ. And that's why God tells us to take heed how we build. Why is revival necessary? You cannot please God operating in the flesh. And why is revival needed for the weary worker so that we won't burn out, that we'll keep on keeping on until God calls us home? The great apostle Paul, he's our pattern for all long suffering. And you look at Paul in 2 Timothy. He's at the end of his life. And he's writing to Timothy. He says, Timothy, come quickly. Why? Demas, 
demons has forsaken me. All Asia have turned from me. Can you imagine that, Pastor McGovern, all the work you've done? Can you imagine at the end, they all turn away from you? What, what a pain that Paul was feeling. He says, he says, I want you to bring the, I want you to bring the, the books, the parchments. And by the way, I want you to bring old John Mark. You know anything about the book of Acts? There was a time old young John Mark was with them on a journey. Then it got too rough for him and he went back to mama. Well, that's me saying that, okay? He left the world. And Paul, he wouldn't take that for a moment. When they got ready to go on another journey, Barnabas said, hey, come on, let's go, Mark. And Paul said, no, he ain't coming. And Barnabas said, yes, he is. He said, no, he's not. He said, yes, he is. No, he's not. He ain't coming. He left the world. I can't depend upon somebody like that. He's not profitable. And Barnabas said, boy, I tell you, we need some Barnabases. Because Barnabas got old, old John Mark. And he worked with him. Amen. Those people that you think is counted out, God can work with them. Just need to be a Barnabas. Barnabas said, all right, well, you're going, on, you're going to take Silas. And so you hear about Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. Then at the end, you hear Paul saying, boy, you bring on John Mark. Why? He is profitable for the ministry. Paul saying, you bring John Mark, you bring the cloak, you bring the books, you bring the parchments, especially the parchments. Why? I said to myself, Paul, he's on death row, and he still wanted to do ministry. Paul's on death row, and he still wanted to do a Bible study. Amen. Paul is on death row, and he's still trying to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great example of a Christian. Man, we get weary in the work. Sometimes we get cantankerous. Sometimes, you know, I was sharing with the men at the table earlier, you know, sometimes the, 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 the preacher gets it wrong. You know, you had, uh, who was it, Eli? He got it wrong. Hannah's up there. She's praying, man. She's pouring her heart out to, her heart out to God, and, and he got it wrong. He said, woman, what you doing? Get away from your drunkenness. And she's praying to God Almighty. Later on, he got it straight, went back, said, God's giving you a request. Sometimes we preachers get it wrong. I look back over my ministry. That's sometimes I got it wrong. That's sometimes I got it wrong. Uh, I know you were just mentioning it in jest, but, boy, he was talking about one time he was needing, he was needing, he was needing the answer. And I was hurried by something. Probably somebody, one of those people that bit me later on. <laughs> I'm trying to get myself over there. See, I knew, man, Terry's, Terry's good. He's, he's okay. And I just, just gave him a quick answer. I said, man, just go and look and what the, see what the Word of God has to say. And he, he went and labored and found it out. And I think he did pretty good because look where he is now. Amen. Maybe if I was giving you some counsel, you might, <laughs> it might have been the wrong counsel. But at any rate. But we get weary and wrong, uh, worn. Sometimes we get it wrong. And we need revival to see where we got it wrong so we don't get it wrong again. Are you with me tonight? We haven't done everything right. None of us here tonight has done everything right. When a person says, are you doing all right? I said, no, I'm doing some right. And we're working on the rest. Amen. 
We need revival. It's necessary because we cannot please God operating in the flesh. We can't help the sleeping saint when we ourselves are weak. And we can't help those. I call it sleepwalking. (laughs) They're walking, but they're still asleep. We need revival. And where does revival come from? Revival comes from Almighty God. In Psalm 85 and verse 6, the Bible says, Will thou not revive us again, that my people may rejoice in thee? We get revival from the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 25, it says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. It's nothing like getting huge doses of the word of God to wake you up. Amen. I want to encourage you to read through the Bible, not in a year's time. Read it through a whole lot more faster than that. The church I was saved at was having some legal battles because they had a a Christian school. And Dr. David Gibbs, he was just new uh, finding a Christian law association. Dr. David Gibbs, Gibbs came to our church and he says, I want to put your, your church on trial. And I was a member of Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. I was tied to that church. Man, I'm a member. So when he says he's going to be the prosecuting attorney, I said, all right, let's see what you got. And then he says, Bible Baptist Church of Marysville, California, do you believe the word of God? I said in my soul, amen. He says, do you believe every word of God? My soul said, amen. He said, have you read every word of God? And I went, no. He said, I got saved, Pastor Nehemiah said, Read through the Gospel of John, which I did. I did that on a Monday, the uh, 12th of September, 1977. He said, Willie, you need to know what you got. Read through the Gospel of John. Read it completely through before you read anything else. Then go back reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again. Then read through the New Testament. So I did that in two weeks. He said, then go to the Old Testament. I went to the Old Testament. I got to Genesis. Got through Genesis. I got through Exodus. Man, when I got to Leviticus and started reading about all those Ike brothers, the Melekites, the Hittites, the Birdites, I got to this. I can't pronounce all these names. I don't have no. I don't have no idea what they're talking about. This temple and stuff like that. I'm going back. To, I'm going back to the New Testament. So I went back to the New Testament, read it through, read it through. So I was lacking in the Old Testament. And so he said, how can you say you believe every word when you haven't read every word? Then he told of a pastor whose ministry was transformed just like that. And he asked the pastor, he said, what, what do you attribute to, to this, this transformation of your ministry? He said, I started reading through the Bible every month. And then Dr. David Gibbs said to him, he says, that's impossible. And the pastor said, have you tried it? And so, that challenged me. 
How can I say I believe every word of the Bible when I hadn't read every word of the Bible? So I said, I'm going to read through the Bible in 30 days. Did I do it? Yes, I did. But I had to cut out my, my Star Trek. I had to cut out my Tom and Jerry. Did I watch cartoon as a grown man? Yes, I did and still enjoyed it. I had to cut out. I had no time for reading. I mean, for any other stuff. It's just in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Bible. And I made it through. And I remember feeling so good at the end. I said, man, that was so good. I'm going to read it through again. But boy, that was a major undertaking. So I'm going to read it through on a 90-day plan. And that's how I got into Pastor, that's how I got into reading through the Bible. I put it on layaway. See, back then, see, see, y'all got credit now. Y'all got credit. Back in my time, man, you had to put it on layaway. You had to put it so many payments each month for 90 days. Then you had to get it out of layaway. So I laid away my Bible. And so September 26th, I don't care where I am in my Bible reading, September 26th, I start in the book of Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. So I'll start there and we'll read completely through the word of God in 90 days. It's only 14 chapters a day. And if you read 14 chapters a day, you're finished by day number 83. About an hour's worth of reading. In my little Briefcase, I got my little prized possession. Uh, what is my prized possession, Brother Lowe? That our Bible, narrated by Alexander Scorby. I'll pull that out, and I'm reading right along as he narrates. and start, I, I read right along with him, underline, learn how to pronounce those Ike brothers' names, you know. And I get rolling through there. That's my prized possession. First time I got it was on cassette tape. I couldn't believe it. New Testament on cassette tape. Uh, $12. $12. Then I messed around and found out that he did the Old Testament. Then I got it on a, uh, I, I still have them. I have it on a, a, a CD. Then I got that little I Bible. Whose son? On the airplane when I'm going back, I pop that in my head. I'll pull out my Bible, and we'll just get close to God, just reading the Word of God. I want to say, listen, you get revived through the Word of God. Quicken thou me according to thy Word. You start getting into that book, and that book starts getting into you. It, it will transform your life. Other people will, they'll find your, your reasoning and your understanding seem to be totally foreign from theirs. Because they hadn't read what you read. God is the source of revival. And he brings it through the Holy Spirit of God. I think I got a slide. Well, I just preached on that, didn't I? All right. All right. How can I have revival? This is the end of the message. How can I have revival? Well, first of all, it comes from desire. You're going to have to want it. See, God, when he works into you, in your life, Philippians chapter 4, he says, For it is God that worketh in you, both to what? Will, and then to do of his good pleasure. 
If you don't have a want to to do for God, that means God's not working in your life. Because if God is working in your life, you're going to have a want to. Amen. Hopefully these meetings, God's been working in your life where you'll have a want to. If you don't want revival, guess what? You won't have it. And I tell lost people, if you don't want to go to heaven, guess what? You're not going. You're going to have to want to. Amen. I can't want it for you. I want it for myself. I'm going. I am going. You can come if you want to. But when Christ says, get up, come up, I am checking out. I'll be going, bye. I'm going. I'm leaving. Amen. It's not going to be on a jet plane. Man, it's going to be a warp factor nine. Go on. To be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm leaving. But if a person don't want Jesus, and they don't want heaven, I say, guess what? You will not have it. There will not be one soul in heaven that don't want to be there. God is the source of revival. You must believe that it is possible. It's through the word of God. But boy, you got to desire it. You must ask God for it. Revival comes from God by his spirit. Revival comes through God's word. You're not going to be revived apart from the word of God. That's why your pastor scheduled a time to do what? For you to get the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. You hear this uh, for the men, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. No, five, five, five days, right? The rest of your four days. And you know what? What he's hoping is that you're here and then you get, Doosh, wake up. Word of God. Doosh, wake up. Word of God. Wake up. You wake up. Word of God. Wake up that guy next to you. <laughs> you know, shake him. Hey, wake up. Amen. It's through the word of God, and that's why he wants you here. You know, and, and, and he wants everybody here every night. Amen. He knows, understands when you can't be here and all of that, but here's the last night of the revival meeting, but it's not the last opportunity to get revived. You got to want it. Amen. We have a great God in heaven that does not play games with us. When we sincerely come to him humbly and ask him for the help, the Bible tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. And we say, Lord God, I need help. Lord, right now my flesh don't want no revival, but the spiritual man in me, the spiritual woman in me wants it. God, will you not revive me again? Lord, revive me again. Revive me again. Revive me again. And you keep coming and you're asking God. You keep coming and you're asking God. You keep coming and you're asking God. You say, well, why don't God give it to me the first time I ask? Because you may not appreciate it. It's not, some, and it's not until it's been a couple of days go by, a week go by, then all of a sudden God says, you really want it? Here we go. Boom. You know, there's this cases in the Bible where these people bound 18 years. 18 years and can in no wise look up. Can you imagine going through life, the humility of just being bowed over? Everywhere you go, and you couldn't even look up, just, you couldn't even look up. And then Jesus comes along, heals them, then they're able to stand up. There's a case where it was 34 years, a person had an infirmity, and then Jesus healed them. 
What I got from that is this. God will send an answer for you. It may take a while to get to you. You know, folks talk about my ships come in. You've heard that saying? I add to it by saying this. When your ship comes in, make sure you're at the port. Amen. Keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on asking God. Be like, who was it? Was it Jacob? When he wrestled with the Lord? The Lord said, let me go. He says, I'm not letting you go until you reign righteousness. Come to God tonight. Do you feel weary? Do you feel worn out? Do you feel just dead? Come to God tonight and say, oh God, I want revival. And you keep coming to God until he grants you revival. I said a lot about revival tonight. But if you are dead in trespasses and sin, you're on your way to hell. You know it, and God knows it. Don't go to hell. One day you'll breathe your last breath, and then you'll wake up in hell. Get saved while God's calling you. Get saved while you're in your right mind. Get saved today. Get regenerated. That is, you'll have life from spiritual death. And then you'll be, begin to walk that spiritual walk with God. May God help us to have revival. Let's pray, Father in heaven, thank you for this, this time, Lord, to, Lord, to camp out in your word and Father in heaven, I just thank you for the love that has been bestowed upon me and my wife while here. Such a loving church, such a friendly church. Lord, such a church that's eager to, to, uh, to hear your word. Lord, I thank you for them and their hospitality. I thank you for their attentiveness. And Lord, I pray you bless them, Lord God. I thank you for the pastor and his wife. I thank you for all the staff workers and those who work behind the scenes. Lord, I pray that you'll bless them in ways beyond their wildest dreams with manifold blessings from heaven. And Lord, I pray for that saint who's gone to sleep. Lord, please wake them up for your honor, for your glory, and for their good. Lord, revive them, please. Lord, for the weary soldier, Lord, renew their strength. And Lord, for that person who's lost and on their way to a devil's hell, Lord, I pray that they receive their need of Jesus Christ, and Lord, that they would receive him as their personal Savior, that they'll place their faith and trust in who he is and what he's done for them. Lord, he's the Son of God, he's God the Son, and he died on the cross for their sins, and he rose again from the dead for their life and their justification. And Lord, we thank you that one day he's coming back again, and I believe soon. Lord, help them to receive Christ as their Savior I pray, Lord God, for your people, Lord, that they would want to get closer to you, that they want revival. Lord, please revive us again, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed as Pastor McGovern comes and conducts the rest of the, uh, the invitation. If you're here right now, maybe the Lord's been working on your heart.
concerning this thing of salvation where you don't know what is going to happen to you when you die and you know it and that's been concerning you. Because one day, like, I, like you hear me say all the time, you will die and stand before Almighty God in judgment. He will judge you. And you have broken His law. When you are found guilty, you will be cast into a leg of fire. There'll be no discussion with God. God's not going to say, listen, I, 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 you and I had our own understanding worked out. That's not going to happen. You'll be found guilty and it's over with. Something has to happen when you look perfect. That is why God became a man 2,000 years ago. He lived the perfect life as a man. The second Adam. He did that for you. He went to the cross to take your place in judgment. To suffer the penalty for your sin. God the Father judged him in your place to satisfy justice. So that he can also give you his perfect life. If you will come to him in repentance and faith, he will save you. Is there any here say, Pastor, please, I do need you to pray for me. I don't know that heaven is my home. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm concerned I would go to hell. I hear you, and, and, and I do want you to pray for me. Will you just raise your hand for me real quick? Just put your hand up and then put it back down if that's you. Let me see it, and then you can put it back down. Anybody here like that right now? I see a couple of small children. If you did put your hand up, I missed it. I would need you to do it again. All right, Christian. The greatest life to live is the Christian life. Yield it to God serving Him. It's not easy. It certainly isn't. But boy, there's nothing better than it. There's a whole lot of fake pearls out there. What Pastor Bird was dealing with us is trying to encourage us under to go before God and say, God, yes, renew my strength. Lord, wake me up. Tell me once again to see that it's all about you. That what I've been given my time and energy for has just, just been a waste. If there's something the Lord's working on your heart that He's showing you even right now, ah, it's this. This has got me right now. It's preventing that revival. This is what I'm taking. This is the sleeping drug I'm taking that's keeping me asleep spiritually. Or maybe you've been in the, in the fight and, and you just need that renewed strength. No, it's sweet. You just come down and say, Lord, boy, thank you. Focus back on Him. And just like you pray for it, Lord, please, revive us again. Give me that strength, Lord. Or if you have another need, maybe you're in the middle of something right now, and you just need to come and pray. Well, you come and pray. You bring it before the Lord. Father in heaven, I pray that you bless this invitation, work in hearts and lives, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Turn to page 174.